And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. And wouldn't you know it, it's June. It's Pride Month, so we thought we would celebrate that a little bit. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Macho, macho man. I got to be a macho man. I like that song. It's a good one. On The Simpsons. When uh, Ned Flanders buys Homer a nacho hat, he sings Nacho, Nacho Man. And I, I, I like that a lot. So. I know. So we're saying, I, was, I was singing Nacho Man in my head when you were singing that. <laughs> That's a good episode. But yeah. Hey, Justin, how are you? I am good. I had, uh, I had a rough night last night. I had like a million nightmares, and one of <gasps> them was absolutely horrifying. Uh, someone that I know and love and care very much about was dying and needed a kidney, but it was too late and they were frail and looking uh, like death. And I woke up to that like five in the morning and it sort of was jarring and I've been up ever since. So I'm a little, I'm a little sleepy, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it's a, it was not good. It it felt so real. I mean, like I was talking to my brother-in-law about this, like sometimes dreams are just like, yeah, I get it. It's a dream. No big deal. But this one felt so real that it just, uh, Shook me to my core. Oh, I'm sorry. I wish I could jump in your mind and help you a little bit. But yeah. um, enter my mind palace and clean it up a little bit. There you go. Put a wet floor sign. Yeah. But damn. Sweep up some of the skeletons. <laughs> you know, I didn't have great sleep last night either. And I think it was more because it was just warmer. It's getting warmer here in Seattle. But I also had, I wouldn't say a nightmare, but a really kind of eerie dream that I, you know, it's hard to remember every bit bit of your dream but i do remember it involved some sort of like vampire shooting at a party and it was my friends but turned out some of them were vampires so i had to join forces with somebody and kill them kind of much of a blade style but really dark and then i woke up in the middle of the night and i was like what what the fuck am i dreaming of (laughs) and it was hard to go back to sleep for a little bit and then i you know i was awake that late so i'm listening to every sound in the house but yeah it was uh, it was not fun so i apologize alone I do live alone. Live her alone. Well, and I, you know, I was playing video games last night. And it's funny because my friend and I, uh, a couple days ago, were talking about Greek food. And she was saying, oh, I got you know Greek food for dinner. This is what I had, blah, blah, blah. And we went to this one restaurant and was asking me what some of the best are in Seattle. And I was trying to give her some tips on them, but I'm not a huge connoisseur. And so anyhow, uh, I was playing video games last night and I get a text message from Capital One. And they said, did you just try to spend $65 at... Aladdin Euro restaurant, um, which is in Seattle. And I was like, what? No, because it was declined. So it there was fraud on my card. Um, I checked my wallet. My card was right there. So someone uh, lifted my card information somehow. You know how those fraudsters do and and tried to use it to buy sixty five dollars worth of euros. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, a lot of tzatziki there. Um, but that was really interesting. So maybe I think my mind was because that was kind of like at eleven o'clock at night. And I think my mind was wandering a bit and I I was super cautious like I went to go check my car to make sure I didn't accidentally leave you know my wallet or my card in there um I locked all my doors and all my windows and I'm like oh man I don't want anybody to break in now it was weird I don't know I was really paranoid for some reason 
Yeesh. I know, right? <laughs> I hate identity theft. Like we talk about theft a couple times on this show, and I just hate people that steal shit. And there's a difference between stealing, you know, a sandwich because you're starving, and then stealing someone's fucking bank information and just buying shoes on Amazon and shit. Right. Yeah, I nuts. agree. My my card, I think that that Capital One card has been uh, compromised three times since I've had it. Um, and then my other BCU card has been compromised, I think, once. So it is a pain in the ass. But luckily, you know, the credit card companies are really great about it. And they message me right away and, and put a put a kibosh on it. So. Well, you're lucky because it was in the same city that you live in, basically. So it's like, yeah, that's the first time that's ever happened. Most yeah, of the time, it's like, you know, I got one last time and it was from Texas. And they go, did you just spend $300 at Sephora in Houston, Texas? I go, no, I did not. <laughs> and then the person went to like In-N-Out Burger in Texas. And I was like, I did not do that either. So Those are some good burgers, Walter. <laughs> I know. Shut the fuck up, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's. It was very it was very weird, but, you know, it's OK. I, I'm I'm thankful for the fraud departments and uh, just their their general customer service and ease of access. It's sad that we live in a world that you have to have a fraud department um, like that built into your your program, you know, right. but um, I'm just I, curious what their computer screen looks like. Is it like just a bunch of matrix code? And then all of a sudden there's like a blinky red dot. And they're like, "Uh oh, that's not right. And then they click it and then it expands. And it's like Zachary Rancourt that lives at this address <laughs> is out buying, you know, all kinds of sweets goods and in Texas. Yeah. And they're like, wait a minute. Last I heard, Zach was still in Seattle. Let me call him really fast and make sure this isn't him. So it, the transaction got declined. So that's what I'm I'm wondering, you know, and, and it didn't say the address of it. So it could have been a different city completely. It just said Aladdin Euro place restaurant, which there is one in Seattle. But I mean, there could be an Aladdin Euro restaurant all over the U.S. So um, it was declined. And I think that's why it was flagged because it was 65 bucks at a, you know, a Greek restaurant. Very weird. right. I wonder if he cut up the card and and gave it back to the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he probably just masked my or he or she just masked my card and placed it onto another one or tried to utilize my NFC somehow. But NFC is pretty safe. But I, I yeah, I, I honestly have no idea. Yeah, it's oh, just well. scary. It's just <laughs> coincidental that I was talking about Greek Greek food and then the fraud <laughs> occurred on Greek food. Sure. This has become a true crime podcast. <laughs> I know. Let's get our glasses of wine ready to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been watching while your identity's getting stolen? You know, not a whole lot. My nephew was in town, so I showed him around, and that was really fun. And then I just hung out with some friends. But um, I did watch Bo Burnham's new comedy special, Inside. And I don't know if I can recommend it to you because I Is think singing? you... Well, I hate singing. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. It's also an hour and a half, but there's it's just a bunch of little sketches basically um it's really hard to explain but i think it, it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant from a conventional standpoint and and, and how he utilizes his filmmaking ability because he does everything himself so the the tech i mean he's such a technician with the camera and it's so cool so i think you'd really appreciate it but it does i mean the whole thing is pretty much singing so i don't think you like that aspect so i, mm. I won't recommend it to you but um, I think some of the the camera work and the editing and everything he does, you would really appreciate. Uh, I learned like is fantastic. So I like Reggie Watts a lot, and he does music in his bits. 
Okay, well, I mean, maybe like watch some clips of it. So the idea is he was locked in. Well, he didn't lock himself, but he Netflix gave him a bunch of money to produce a special. And it took him it took him up about a year and he worked from his home studio, which was this small house thing. And he just he dealt with his isolation and depression and everything on screen. But he created all of this. I don't even know this subject matter through through his uh, his emotions and he just uses one camera. It's like a Sony something rather or a Panasonic SH something. And anyhow, uh, what he does and it shows his processes in a, in a kind of visceral behind the scenes look. It's really, really cool. And imagine if Weird Al Yankovic did this really artsy Wes Anderson, Martin Scorsese style film. It's it's super cool. Like some of the stuff he does is is phenomenal. So I, I think Bo Burnham is, is is a pure genius. And I am very, very excited to see what else he does. But I don't know, man. That's that's pretty much all I watched. All right. Cool, man. What about you? Oh, what did I watch? I wrote it down. I watched I've been watching Mobile Suit Gundam. It's now on Netflix, but it's listed as like Gundam one, two and three. Uh it's all bunched together. And then Loki. I've been watching the Loki there. Oh, I watched Star that Trek. too. I like I like Loki a lot. It's really fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's good times. Uh Star Trek TNG uh for the Escape Pod podcast. And then I started rewatching the nineteen sixties Batman. Uh loving that, of course. And uh the Hateful Eight <laughs> again for <laughs> so many times. Oh it's so weird that I watch that movie as much as I do. <laughs> And then freaking extract. I love extract. Oh, and dodgeball. Yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah. can't get enough of Jason Bateman, man. I just fucking love that guy so much. Yeah, it's you like watched my favorite. You watched the nineteen sixties Bateman. Yeah, <laughs> get it, Bateman. Bateman. <laughs> what did you watch that on? Is it streaming anywhere? I own. So I own it on the Blu-ray, but it came with digital copies. So I have them all on the Voodoo. Nice. There yeah, you go. All, all three seasons. Nice. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Right yeah. on. Good list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. But uh, yeah, moving on 10 minutes later, uh, <laughs> we are doing, uh, as we mentioned, it's Pride Month, June. Yay. Uh, but no, we, we this is a gay friendly podcast and we are allies to the gay community and um, super excited. Have you ever been to Pride? Yeah. Uh, in Seattle? It's pretty awesome. It's, man. it's overwhelming just because there's so many people, but I, it's it's really fun and it's really heartwarming and you know there's just a lot of love in the air and everyone's freeing a lot of fun costumes and colors and i've I've volunteered at it um with target and it was uh it was cool yeah Yeah, it was really fun fun. i was bummed i couldn't you know there wasn't anything last year nor this year but that's okay it's all about the mentality right yeah uh i remember when i went one time i was like in 2013 maybe 2014 but the 520 bridge uh like closed for a second because a ship was going underneath it mm-hmm. and it looked like a zombie apocalypse, man. There's all these cars lined up on a bridge. that can't get out of town. I was like, Oh my God, we're going to die. Everyone's just getting out of their cars and hanging out. I'm like, what is happening right now? Um, a sheriff rides up on a horse. Yeah, <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we are 100% uh, LGBTQ plus allies and uh, very excited about that. And so this month we're, or I guess this week we are doing uh, In and Out, not the not the burger joint, but the motion picture show <laughs> came out in 1997. It is streaming on HBO Max. It is directed by Frank Oz, who you might know from Bowfinger and What About Bob, 
uh, the Indian in the cupboard, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, feed was, me, Seymour. He was Yoda, too. He did the voice of Yoda. Yeah. So that's exciting stuff. Feed uh-huh. me, Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a singing movie, by the way. I know. <laughs> I hate it. In fact, I remember I wanted to watch it because it had Rick Moranis and Steve Martin and stuff. And, and Steve Martin singing about being a dentist or some shit. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I hate this movie. But <laughs> I love the people in it. So I sat through it in, in misery. And that's what love is, just being miserable. So I had to do it. Jesus. It was written by Paul Rudnick, who you might know from Sister Act 1 and 2, Back in the Habit. And uh, <laughs> Frank, hey, ho, hey, ho. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know Stepford what you're Wise, about. Adam's Family Values, <laughs> Eat Me. It's Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> I love Joan Cusack, who's also in this movie, but she's yeah. in Adam's Family Values. And just the way her inflections on her tones for things, when she's driving, she goes, move out of the way. Like just the when shit she, she yells, it's so fucking funny. Her angry voice oh, just God. cracks me up, man. And she so, just goes yeah. up like eight octaves. It's so awesome. Give me a vodka and some peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, you have have you seen Gross Point Blank? I know I've talked about it on this. Mm, no, I know what it's about, but I okay. Have not. So I want to do that one. That's a uh, John Cusack is a hitman. He's got to go to his ten year high school reunion, and. Uh, Joan Cusack plays his executive assistant. Uh, so it's kind of cute, you know, brother and sister in a movie together. And she is so funny because she's just having a normal conversation. And then when she has this customer service moment, she just like flips her lid and just freaks out. And she's like so mean. <laughs> and it's so funny. It makes Joan Cusack just be so amazing. And I don't know if you ever watched um, Shameless, but she was great in that too. Um, like Showtime or some shit. Yeah, I, I know what it is. I, I never watched it though. Yeah, she was great. She, she was really uh, great. suffering from like agoraphobia. Uh-huh. She was uh, she was a lot of fun. Not the disease, but just her character. Ah, okay. So anyway, the film stars Kevin Klein, Joan Cusack, Tom Selleck. I think without a mustache, which is kind of weird. Yeah, Matt Dillon, Debbie Reynolds, Wilford Brimley, and Bob Newhart. And as far as critical reception goes. It's uh, not kind. <laughs> uh, the critics actually enjoyed it, but the audiences did not so much. It's sitting at a whopping 71% on the old tomato meter there. And um, let's see here. <laughs> trying to find some good ones. Uh, let's see. Rita Kempley. She says, for the most part, this hilarious capers gay characters are knee deep in the American mainstream. Uh, David Nusser. From Real Film Reviews says, an often painfully broad comedy that's rarely as entertaining or as funny as one of might have, as one might have anticipated. Uh, then you have Todd McCarthy from Variety says, basically a one-joke farce that plays around with a once delicate subject that by now is a mainstay on TV. And then Lisa Alspector from Chicago Reader, the Chicago the town that hates every movie. Uh, they actually like this one. Fast moving and very funny. So there you have it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, a budget of $35 million. It grossed the United States at $63.8 million. Opening weekend, it did $15 million, which was on September 21st, 1997. And gross worldwide. Uh, I guess we just only have the worldwide numbers at $63.8 million. Right on. 
So uh, here's some trivia. Matt Dillon's outing of his teacher in his acceptance speech is based upon Tom Hanks's real life acceptance speech at the 66th Annual Academy Awards in 1994 for his Oscar for Philadelphia, in which he thanked a gay teacher. That is a good movie. Very sad. Debbie Reynolds appears in this film for director Frank Oz, who worked with her daughter, Carrie Fisher, in The Blues Brothers, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi and The Last Jedi, which also featured Reynolds granddaughter, Billy Lord. How about that? The film cast includes two Oscar winners, Kevin Klein and Whoopi Goldberg, and five Oscar nominees, Matt Dillon, Joan Cusack, Debbie Reynolds, June Squibb, and Glenn Close. I don't know who June Squibb is, but okay. The auditorium for the graduation ceremony is the same one used in Billy Madison for the academic decathlon. <laughs> the puppy who lost his way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. So that was all I could really find. There weren't many other fun facts. Oh, Tom Selleck. This is actually, I think, the, one of the first movies he shaved his mustache off for because he's always had that iconic mustache. Right. So uh, it was weird to see him without it, you know. It's a very Clark Kent thing. It's like, is this Superman or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, wait a minute now. <laughs> um, okay. Well, here's a synopsis for anybody who has not seen the movie. Howard Brackett is a well-liked English literature teacher living a quiet life in the fictional town of... <laughs> literature? You don't need no literature. <laughs> Have it back, sir. Have it back. <laughs> in the fictional town of Greenleaf, Indiana with his fiance... Pay me my money. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't stop. Once, I, uh... once the floodgates open, once you wake the dragon, it's over. <laughs> with his fiance and fellow teacher, Emily Montgomery, who recently lost 75 pounds. The town is filled with anticipation over the nomination of Howard's former student, Cameron Drake, in the Best Actor category at the Academy Awards for his portrayal of a gay soldier in To Serve and Protect. Cameron does indeed win the award, and in his acceptance speech, thanks Howard, adding, and he's gay. Howard's family, friends, students, co-workers, and Emily are shocked, but that is nothing compared to Howard's own reaction of disbelief and indignation. He angrily reassures those who know him that he is heterosexual. Reporters invade his hometown, harassing him for interviews following the awards night telecast. Howard is placed under the scrutiny of his boss, Principal Tom Hallowell, who is uncomfortable with the attention being brought to the school. Although the other reporters leave after getting their story, one stays behind. On-camera entertainment reporter Peter Malloy, who wants to wait the week out so he can cover Howard's wedding to Emily. Howard continues to be harassed and dismayed by the changed attitudes of everyone around him and decides that he must sleep with Emily in order to prove his heterosexuality. Howard finds he cannot go through with it due to his conflicting emotions and Emily's concern for his well-being. Howard crosses paths with Peter, who reveals he is gay and trying to provide a helpful ear, narrates his own experience in coming out to his family. Howard insists that he is not gay, prompting Peter to kiss him. Although shocked, Howard reacts somewhat positively to the kiss when he wraps his leg around him. Yeah, this is not Los Angeles. <laughs> so funny. We were just meeting at the intersection. I mean, intersex. <laughs> yeah, intersexual, homosexual. Oh, homosexual. Intersection. <laughs> Howard's final measure to restore his heterosexuality is the use of a self-help self audio cassette, although that fails as well. During the wedding ceremony, Emily recites her vow without hesitation, but when, out, when Howard is prompted by the minister, he instead says, I'm gay. The wedding is called off, and although Peter is proud of Howard, Howard is angry with himself for hurting Emily. Howard is fired from the school because of his outing. 
Despite no longer being on the faculty, Howard is allowed to attend the graduation ceremony to support his students and sits on stage with his former co-workers. Having learned of the ensuing media blitz while in Los Angeles, Cameron flies to his hometown with his supermodel girlfriend and shows up at the ceremony. When he learns that his former teacher becomes ineligible for the Teacher of the Year Award due to being dismissed for being gay, he publicly questions if the reason given that the community would not have supported Howard's continued employment is valid. Spurred on by this, when one student who got into college, thanks thanks to Howard's hard work, proclaims to be gay, his classmates join him to proclaim themselves to be gay as well, showing their support. Howard's family follows suit, as do his friends and all the townsfolk assembled. Although Howard does not win Teacher of the Year, Cameron presented him with his Oscar and cheers of the crowd. Howard's wedding crazy mother finally gets a wedding, her, her own when she and her husband renew their vows. Howard, Peter, and the rest of the townsfolk attend the reception. Among the crowd are Emily and Cameron, who appear to have begun a relationship. Everyone dances to the village people's song, Macho Man. That's In-N-Out, not the burgers. So, um, yeah, when did you first see In-N-Out, and what were your thoughts? Uh, I was in high school, just about done, because it came out in the fall of 97. Um, so I saw it on home video cassette in the 1998s. And okay. uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. But I mean, my I was pretty fortunate. You know, my my family was, uh, you know, I don't know if tolerant is the right word, but we didn't care whether someone was gay or not. Like it had no impact on whether we liked them or not. So, you know, I grew up in a, in a very friendly household. So, you know, we love you regardless of what you are. Um, so I was pretty lucky. I just thought it was funny. You right. Know, so, yeah. Um, it uh, it is definitely. Uh, you know, serious subject matter, but taken in a funny tone, which I can appreciate. Right. I was probably 11 or 12 when I saw it. My mom and I watched it on VHS and I don't know why the format has anything to do with it, but we watched it and I um, don't remember much of it and I didn't really understand it as much. Uh, I remembered bits and pieces, but my mom really liked it a lot. So that was good. And I also grew up in a house of like, you know, kind of like yours in the sense of there was a lot of openness. So it yeah. was uh, it was refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. And my, I think my family is pretty keen on Kevin Klein. So like my mom and dad love him for some reason. So <laughs> he's just <laughs> always welcome in the house. <laughs> uh, I he mean, you've, you've heard me talk about Silverado a thousand times and he's oh, yeah. awesome in that movie. So, yeah, he's uh, he did a really good job in this movie. Like when he's twitching his hand and stuff, he's like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> I love his mannerisms. They were so funny. He's Mr. Fish Odor in Fosburgers. That's true. That is true. I forgot about that. So the main plot of this film all starts when Matt Dillon's character, Cameron Blake, casually uh, pronounces Howard as gay at the Oscars. This seemed to shock everyone in town, including Howard himself. Have you, Justin, have you ever been shocked by a celebrity, an athlete, or a friend, you know, et cetera, coming out as gay? Uh, I don't think I've ever been shocked. Um, I've been I've been surprised a couple times. I think Zachary Quinto was probably one that I was like, what? He's gay? I didn't know that. <laughs> um, you know, we were talking about Neil Patrick Harris prior to the show. Uh, when that was announced, I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, all right, that's cool. Um, but no, not, not really. I'm kind of going through, I had to Google like gay celebrities to see if any like triggered, like maybe I didn't even know or whatever. And I remember when uh, Kristen Stewart popped up, I was like, 
yeah, I forgot that that was a thing. Uh, I always liked her, uh, not because I wanted to marry her and, ha- and her have my babies or anything, but I just really enjoyed Kristen Stewart. And uh, I think this news kind of got past me a little bit. And then she was in that movie. I don't even know the name of the movie anymore, but um, it's recent. Yeah, I know and, what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think that's when I found out that she was gay and I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so much so that I forgot the name of the movie. So, uh, no, no one's really like uh, shocked me to like my core or like, oh, my God, I can't believe where I gasp. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh, your granny panties. I just typed in gay and ass <laughs> yeah. and it popped up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do remember being kind of young when um, I found out that George Takai was gay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hello. And, uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Uh, he just has such a, a, you know, an interesting history. You know, his family being uh, put in camps in World War II. Oh, yeah. He's he's had it rough, man. I and know. So uh, he's he's got a lot of stories. Guilty with the stories. That's what I watched. Step <laughs> Brothers. I knew I watched something else. I was, it was killing me. I've been trying to think of what I've watched this whole time we've been talking. And Step Brothers was another movie that I watched. Nice. Over the weekend. <laughs> uh, guilty with the stories but yeah that's that's pretty much it oh and i guess i guess ian mckellen uh when i saw gandalf walking on the red carpet i did not know that he was gay until some i might have even been an academy awards or something i was like oh gandalf's gay the more yeah. you know well i know and that's the thing and we, like we were discussing earlier i have a, i have horrible gaydar and even in life um you know I've, I've been fortunate enough to be around some amazing people in the lgbtq community and i'm like oh they were hitting on me. I'm like, oh, that was that's why he was so nice to me. I just I don't I am so oblivious to it all. And when I found out people are gay, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that right on. <laughs> like, I never would have guessed. So you're right. None of it has really shocked me. It's just more. I mean, the ones that come to mind for me that I was like, whoa, I never would have guessed that was Ricky Martin because he was such a you know sex symbol and all his videos about she bangs and, and living la vida loca, all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, hey, he's gay. Same thing with Lance Bass from NSYNC because um, they were such, you know, they're a, they're a boy band and all the all the all the gals right. went crazy for him. And then his You're thing like, is he out. supposed to do lines of coke off of like women's asses. <laughs> exactly. That's what all boy bands do. Right. Right. <laughs> so, boy band ass. Yeah. Boy band ass. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell. My mom had um, some gay friends and, and they were really excited about Rosie O'Donnell's coming out. I mean, like in hindsight, all of these make sense. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see that. But I remember that was just a, that was pretty big news. And so that was um, really cool for the 90s. Same thing with, El- with Ellen DeGeneres when she uh, came out on her show. Um, I don't yeah. know if you remember that. That was a yeah, big thing. Yeah, my mom and I were thing. watching it on TV when yeah. it happened. Yeah, we, yeah. we watched that show. We're like, oh, all right. And she's like at an airport and talking and she speaks into like the, the PA system. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it just, yeah, it goes out. Yeah, that was that was huge. That was like groundbreaking for, you know, mid 90s or late 90s. People were like, whoa the hell but it was really cool um like i gotta turn off my tv or all <laughs> they throw their tv out the window oh, like when, he, oh. when howard when howard throws a remote out the window <laughs> i was laughing yeah. so hard <laughs> he looks he goes oh he chucks it <laughs> um it's important to note as well carl nassib uh defensive end for or d lineman for um the las vegas raiders uh recently a few days ago came out as gay and it was really awesome because he is the first active NFL player with substantial impact to his team to come out. And so, you know, there's a lot of support on social media and and throughout the NFL and, you know, you and I both don't like Goodell and how they handle situations in the NFL, but, um, 
we'll see how it all kind of plays out because, you know, I was talking to my friend Ian, he's gay and he's black. And he was talking about on the moonlight podcast, how difficult it is in the, in the black community being gay, because it's, there's such a, I don't want to speak for all of it, but there's a higher sense of homophobic presence. And so the NFL has, is predominantly black males. So we'll see kind of how that plays out. And I want to be hopeful and say that they'll welcome him with open arms because he seems like a great teammate and he's a good player. And who gives a shit who is having sex with? What did Dave say? Who cares who he's fucking? Yeah, it was. Why do you care so much about who my son is fucking? That's what it was. He had a a relative that was like, you don't you're not worried if your son's going to be gay. And he's like, why do you care who my son's fucking? That is such a brilliant way of summing up the mentality when someone comes out. It's like, sweet. Good for you, man. I'm glad you had the courage to do that. And I think people should just be like, cool, that doesn't change who you are. You're still my teammate, you know, and I I want that to to happen. So I guess we'll see what happens. And this may be the the cascading effect that more people will will come out and um, be be able to have the have, have have the strength to do it because it, it can be really, really difficult. I can only I can only imagine. So. Um, so moving on uh, before Cameron outs Howard, he talks about dedicating his film to the real gay men and women of the military. While many of these statements that celebrities make when accepting awards or on social media are typically inherently good, they are chastised and scrutinized by pundits telling them to you know stick to sports like LeBron James can't talk about China. He needs to stick to sports or whatever. Right. Ricky Gervais even called out many fake celebrities on some of their bullshit, quote unquote, struggles during his Golden Globe speech. And if you haven't seen that, I recommend because it is a very, very real speech. And, and I agree with a lot of what he has to say. Do you think celebrities should be allowed to speak out about social justice issues or any types of issues using platforms like this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, because all eyes are on them at the moment. So, I mean, even if it just gets the conversation going, I mean, like Joaquin Phoenix, when he was talking about um, animal cruelty and yeah. and going vegan, that was very powerful for me. Um, you know, uh, Marlon Brando, he was someone that that spoke up about um, you know, like Native Americans and and diversity in Hollywood. And um, it was a big deal. And I think that sometimes it just takes a, a figure like this to get the conversation going. So I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, I don't want to hear about hate speech unless it's anti-hate speech. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't want someone to to use this opportunity to to yell at a, a, a group you know, or, or single out a group that's, um, you know, not doing anything wrong. But I do think that there is room for it. And I think that it's a perfect time. If someone, someone goes out and wins like the fucking um, Daytona 500, right? And then the microphone goes in their face and they could say, you know what? There is one black person on this racetrack right now and there needs to be more. I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, like that there needs to be more diversity, not just in the garage, but on the track too. Uh, whether that be, uh, you know, women on the racetrack or or people from different cultures, whatever. Um, I think that that's a big deal, uh, whether it be celebrities at award shows when when there's a billion people watching. I think it's a good thing. I don't have a problem with it. And I think the people that do are ones that, you know, are disagree with the statement that the person's saying. You know yeah, what I mean, to- like, it, totally. I think that's I think that's where the problem is when someone's like, yeah, just stick to like um, Laura Ingram or whatever when she was getting mad at uh, 
like LeBron James, like just play basketball. It's like, dude, fuck you, lady. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, it's that's that's wrong. It's like she's in the business of telling the truth and she doesn't even do that. You know, the whole idea of being in the news and, and sharing information and it's completely skewed. And she's saying, just play basketball, eat a dick. Come on. Well, like the Colin, the Colin Kaepernick situation, you know, he he did this years before we saw the riots of last year or, the you know, the protests, I should say, of last year where there's obviously an issue with our police system and we need reform. And Colin Kaepernick was like, they are hurting black people and black lives matter. And so he took a knee for the national anthem. And then you have all these cornbread corn poke white dudes who are like you're disrespecting the flag blah 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 you know stick to football it's it blows me away because when people say you know he he shouldn't stick to politics he just needs to go play football and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) if anything he can definitely use his platform to speak his mind might as well like he has maybe 10 years of his life to play in the nfl he he can do whatever the hell he wants it's the same reason you can chug you know, a bush light at six in the morning because this is America, damn it. So, right. It, yeah. It like bl- keep, keep politics out of sports or some shit. And you're like, okay, you just had the president at the yeah. field or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, get out of town. Exactly. Yeah. It drives me nuts, dude. And I, you don't have to agree with what they're saying, but sure. I think that they've earned the right to, to have a moment to share their opinion. I mean, they, you were just celebrating them being an amazing athlete. Now all of a sudden you're going to tell them that the, Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, taking taking the knee, it's not like he's sitting on his ass. How does it affect you in any way? It's just like uh, people like back, you know, what, six years when they lay federally legalized gay marriage. I mean, there were some people I knew who were saying, well, that's not right for a man to love a man. And I go, who gives a shit? It's not your life. Well, why does it matter to you? Do you do you lose sleep at night because you're thinking of two men getting married? Buster, I got to tell you something. <laughs> you should probably stop thinking about that kind of stuff if, if that's what you're if you're going to be a huge homophobe about it. So, <laughs> right. It's, um, know, it's, it's crazy. It's and taking a knee is like the, one of the most respectful things that you could do. I mean, like oh, when a yeah. player is injured, what do you do? You take a knee until you make sure that they're OK. Right. Yeah. It's like take it's taking it's it's one of the it's like it's just a symbolic way of just saying, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. Let me just sit down for a second. Absolutely. Sitting down. It's crazy. Absolutely. Well, and you know, and not to go on too much off of off of a tangent, but with that, yeah, those people that are complaining about Kaepernick and other players taking a knee are the ones wearing their hats, talking, drinking beer during the national anthem. And I'm just kind of like, wait a minute. So you're going to say taking a knee is more disrespectful than you chugging your beer and laughing and grab ass in each other. It's uh, it's double standard, man. Double standard. So like my dad, he was in the military and freedom of speech is his biggest thing. And he gets upset when I say, oh, dad, you can't say that. You know, like, I'll say something <laughs> offensive. I'm like, dad, you can't say that. I'm like, don't tell me what I can't say. I'm like, all right, well, you can say that, but just be aware that there's going to be consequences for you saying those things. Like, I don't want to speak to you now that you said those things. And uh, so as someone that is a true believer in freedom of speech, he absolutely doesn't care that someone takes a knee during the the national anthem because that's why he was in the military and that's why he served because he believes in freedoms and it is that person's right to do that. And Hell yeah. uh, even if he disagrees with them on what they're saying or what their statement is, it is their right to say it and do it. And he knows that. And as crazy as my father is, 
uh, I have to applaud him for that. Yeah, very well said. I agree 100%. Well, switching gears a little bit, one part I really loved in this movie was during the Oscars when they showed the very long clip of Cameron's fake film to serve and protect. I absolutely love when fake films exist in TV shows and movies. Do you have any favorites? I do. <laughs> and in Charlie's <laughs> Angels, when Matt LeBlanc is like, damn you, Salazar. <laughs> That's literally my favorite moment ever in that movie and yeah. in any other. Like, I just, I love it as a fake movie. It's so ridiculous. When actors are acting like they're acting, it's my favorite thing ever. Mm-hmm. I think it's so funny. And, um, yeah, I there was this, there was a time in my life where anytime I was like, I don't know, spurned might be a good way or word, I would be like, damn you, Salazar. And it was great. Whether I died in a video game or maybe I was turned away at the club, whatever the case may be, it was a damn you, Salazar moment. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. That's awesome. Um is that it? You just have that one? Or do you have any other ones? Uh, I like the trailers that were in like um, the uh, the Grindhouse movies. Yeah. You know, I mean, we got a machete out of it, which is kind of cool. But um, I like stuff like that. For sure. Uh, yeah. So I have a list because I have a ton of them that I like. Are you ready? Sure. So Chubby Rain. <laughs> that Chubby was awesome. Rain. Yeah, that's um, new to you. Yeah. You just saw that movie. I know. Got you, suckers. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get you, suckers. Yeah, I'm going to get you, yeah. um, And then Stab from the from the Scream uh, series. Yes. I think Stab he is awesome. Stabbed. He was working on a movie <laughs> called, called Stab. Stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> um, along the lines of the Grindhouse ones. So there was Don't, the Werewolf Women of the SS um machete and then my favorite one was thanksgiving which was directed by eli roth and i really wanted that one to come out but yeah the trailer for thanksgiving was really cool uh simple jack from tropic thunder (laughs) and and pretty much yeah simple jack and pretty much all of the other trailers in that movie were hilarious uh hamlet from last action hero starring jack slater i thought that was really cool the 14 fists of mccluskey from once upon a time in hollywood the movie that Leonardo DiCaprio was on that Al Pacino alludes to. He's like, what a film, you know, <laughs> is that where he burns all the people with the. Yes. Yep. Is it that yeah. one with the flamethrower? Yep. Yeah. Anyone order barbecue or whatever he says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, lethal Weapon 5. So in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they the gang shoots a Lethal Weapon 5 movie. And it's awesome because Dennis and Mac keep switching parts of who's playing Mel Gibson. And like one uses an Australian accent. The other one just uses his normal accent. And it's it's hilarious. Um, Threat Level Midnight from The Office. Michael oh, Scott. Sure. Uh, the Brock Landers films from Boogie Nights. I just think the Brock Landers would be <laughs> really cinematic. Let's just put it that yeah. way. <laughs> I quote it. Uh, I know. Like, it's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, Pride of a Nation from Inglorious Bastards, the, the Friedrich Zoller film. I oh, think yeah. that is awesome because that is such an interesting, like we look at our propaganda films, our war films, when we're like, yeah, America, fuck yeah. But Tarantino's doing it from the German standpoint and it's that's all it is, is a propaganda film. And I think that that is, is brilliant. Um, Eli Roth directed that too, by the way. Did he really? Yeah. That little scene or the little fake movie? The the fake movie, yeah. 
Oh, wow. That's so cool. I like Eli Roth. Except for Cabin Fever. That movie fucking yeah, sucks. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I heard him talk about it on a podcast. Oh, that's great. I, I didn't know that. And right Tarantino on. likes to shoot all of his stuff, but uh, I think he was either just like, eh, I don't want to fucking do this right now. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Uh, and they've been friends for, you know, 20 years. So Donnie like, yeah, Donowitz. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Well, cool. Yeah. Lots of good fake movies. Love them to death. That was, they are they are fun little gags. Yeah. So while it was important for Howard to tell Emily about his sexuality, he maybe could have picked a better time other than at the altar. One could argue that it's better to say it. Uh, at, it's better to say it than nothing at all. But Emily gives a pretty good argument about why he should have told her sooner, sooner or maybe even later. Even though Howard may not have been sure about being gay sooner, did you think Emily was right? Did you feel bad for her situation? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I definitely felt bad for her. I think, uh, relationship ending, uh, should just be the band-aid approach. I know that it's awkward and it's going to feel horrible, but, uh, it's pretty fucked up to do it like at the actual wedding. Right. Um, obviously he was going through things, uh, but he could have even expressed that seed of doubt prior to the wedding. Uh, you know, in the days leading up, he could have said, you know what, maybe maybe Cameron was on to something uh, because I don't understand what's happening to me right now. And I I need a minute. You know, just give me one hot minute. And um, <laughs> and I think that uh, she is right to be upset. And I do think, you know, there's a difference between like pre-wedding jitters and everyone. I don't know if I should say everyone, but there are a lot of people that that are scared when they get married. Uh, it's mm. a big deal. You know, it's a lifelong commitment. You're committing to be this person's partner for the rest of your lives. And uh, that's a big deal. And it's not for everyone. And um, I do think that uh, if if he were even remotely uh, concerned or, or had those uh, questions brought up, then he should have had that communication with her prior to walking down the aisle. Absolutely. That's the only fair thing to do because, you know, he was even questioning everything from the get go uh, at his bachelor party. He was trying so hard. I mean, he needs to speak his truth and, and let her know. Um, I think he really did love her, you know, sure. but, but it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't what he wanted. And so while I agree that it's it's better to say something than nothing at all. You, you're absolutely right. There's a, there's a timing thing that can be real tricky and, and it starts to get gray in that sense. Did I ever tell you about my 30th birthday? Uh, I don't think so. So on my 30th birthday, I was dating this gal. Absolutely loved her. Um, we had a couple issues here and there. Um, I won't go into it too much, but you know, it was more just maybe we weren't compatible in hindsight. But anyhow, we we were still really good together. But uh, it was my birthday. We had plans to go have dinner. And I was working at Target at the time. So I went in for a four hour shift because my birthday was on a Sunday. And um, I was ready to go uh, for dinner later that night. But I get a call from her and she's crying and I'm like, oh, shit. And she goes, I'm sorry. I just I don't think we can do this anymore. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so she kind What's of with you and your birthdays, man. I, I, birthday I know. <laughs> I know. And, and, and I literally told her I was like, you know, blank. I won't say your name. It's 
like, can you just wait till tomorrow, please? <laughs> like, of all days, just give me, give me today, please. It's just my birthday. It's my 30th, you know. It's supposed to be the, the dirty 30, but I just would rather spend it with you eating dinner. And, like, we had reservations. And she's like, I know. I'm just so sorry. I, I can't. She's crying. And I was like, okay. So ended it. Um, I went and uh, luckily my boss bought me a cake. So I was eating cake. And then I went to my best friend's house and I had a bag of chips for dinner. It was a pretty sad birthday. But you know what? I'm like a phoenix. I'm like the order of the, order of the phoenix. I like to rise from those occasions. And so I said, from here on out, I will only have fun and joyous uh, and eventful birthdays. And so my 31st, 32nd, 34th, wait, wait, 31st, 32nd, 33rd, and 34th were all pretty goddamn good. Minus the COVID birthday, which meh, it is what it is. But the parties themselves were really great. I just had certain instances of that birthday weekend or surrounding them where some shit happens and I'm like, God damn it. But the party themselves are great. So, yeah. so, you know, I'm very thankful for the friends I have in my life and, and my birthdays are awesome for that. I just need to, <laughs> I just always have, have women issues on my birthday for some reason. <sighs> yeah. It's too bad. <laughs> what know, year right? was this? This was in, so I'm 34 minus the carry, the carry the two. <laughs> yeah, 2017. Uh, it was that year. Okay. May, that was my. That, I did not spend your birthday with you at all that year. Mm-mm. 2018 was our first yeah. time experiencing birthdays together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a bummer. It was it's the bummer, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because 20, 20, 2018, we went to Lagunitas, and that's when you you picked me up, and I was like, look at this guy. Look how strong he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like that guy's strength. He ate his spinach today. So. Yeah. That's one of the cool <laughs> things about being a chubby bunny is you have strength people don't know about. <laughs> there you go. It's all hidden. Triple digits, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I have my rage strength is incredible. <laughs> I could pick up a car, Zach. I am so strong. <laughs> you don't even know. It is insane where I don't even know where it comes from, science, but I swear I could just throw a football over them mountains like i my rage strength is incredible I yeah have to, i have to keep it locked up i had to i had to go to anger management once and uh it was it was intense i have Dang. since uh figured it out but there was a time when i was just angry at the world man yeah them's the growing pains man i feel mm-hmm. you i have it every once in a while and then i just realize Hang on a second. Hang on, big guy. Why don't you just uh, go drink a LaCroix and calm down a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, now I'm fine. But I mean, there was a there was a time when it was dark times, Harry, dark times. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, moving on. So coming out, coming out about your sexuality is an incredibly tough thing to do. And we don't want to downplay that in any way, any way, shape or form. We love the gays. Love them. The courage it takes to tell your loved ones about this is something I personally have never struggled with. Uh, Many times in modern TV and film, we see this subject tackled in a far more serious and dramatic way. I'm looking at movies like Brokeback Mountain, Boys Don't Cry, uh, that kind of stuff. I mean, like, what are the Netflix ones? Love, Simon, and that kind of shit. in and out is a comedy. Was this the right genre choice for handling subject matter like this? I think it's a it's an interesting take for sure. Uh, so many times uh, we've seen music videos where a, a child comes out to their parents and then the dad beats them and then they got to run away, you know, and it's and it's sad and that that happens. And I do think that the 
the good thing about this being a comedy is it shows how ridiculous reactions can be to something that should be celebrated versus hated. Mm-hmm. And so like when all, when you talked about in the synopsis, when everyone's standing up saying, you know, I had him as a teacher, so I must be gay. And then like the one girl is like, Oh my God, something's happened to me. Oh my God, I'm gay. <laughs> That's funny. And it just shows how absurd mm-hmm. that level of thinking is. And unfortunately so many human beings feel that way. They feel like it is infectious. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I used that toilet seat. I didn't put a wrapper down. I must be gay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, and you're so, absolutely right. I, I do think that because it's a comedy, we can point and laugh at how stupid that mentality is. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for for all intents and purposes, the town was actually pretty supportive of him the entire film. Like even his mom said, you know, I don't care if you're gay, straight, like gray or yellow or whatever. You know, I'll love you still as a son. And then the dad is like, if you decide to climb a tower and shoot people, we'll still love you. It's It's pretty dark. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, whoa. And even when when Howard comes out finally and his dad comes by and he goes, so is there like an operation or anything like that? And he's like, dad, he goes, I'm trying here. I'm a farmer. So, you know, it's it, it, it was nice that his parents still loved him and you didn't see the whole no son of mine will be gay and any of that kind of shit because it would have taken away from from the comedic uh, aspect of the film and you're absolutely right pointing out how ridiculous it is to try to put on a how to be a man tape and not stand like it's I, I'm a little teapot and not dance to I will survive and you know all those all those things I think it is so hilarious um, how we try to shield ourselves from all that kind of stuff and 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 not be who we who we really feel like we are instead of letting society tell us what to be like fuck society yo be whoever you want to yeah. be and so fuck i really the free world 313 world <laughs> yeah. um i really enjoyed that aspect and i and i think that this movie was hilarious i i laughed so many times during this film and i thought the ending was so sweet when the whole townsfolk stood up for him even even like his brother his dumb brother he's like whoa yeah. he's, he's like i must be gay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like you have two two sons and one happened to be gay and the other is walter <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was really funny so i like that they did that and it's it, it was very lighthearted. so i think that this was a perfect choice for for this type of film right i like the one friend who's like fine whatever i'm gay i like guys but i still do it with chicks every chance i get even though i hate it but i'm totally good at it (laughs) yeah i know that was really funny i like the barber too he's like i'm gay and i'm bald (laughs) he throws his toupee off yeah yeah i like it with that when he's when tom sock's interviewing the postal employee and he's like maybe he got some interesting mail he's like i cannot reveal that information i mean i say it's postal employee he's like ooh, don't make him mad <laughs> tom Selleck's great too yeah that was great. really funny so let's say you know we had a time machine a delorean for for oh, all shit. intents and purposes out of time yeah. Uh, let's say the time machine could take us back into time to the closed minded non PC 1997. I had a Oof. ton of hobbies and interests growing up, and I know you did, but uh, not sure how they could be viewed now. Is there anything you enjoy now a days that would have been considered non masculine that may have made people think you were gay? Or um, were there things maybe back in the day that you did 
that you're like, oh, okay, I can see the difference in this. But what I'm talking about, Justin, is hindsight. Do you remember mm -hmm. how these things were accepted and when they finally became meta, like very widely accepted? Well, I think... So I grew up in a time where it was bad to be a geek, right? Like you were... Oh, you yeah. didn't play sports, you were gay. And... <laughs> um, you know, I, I liked action figures and I liked, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and I liked movies and, and stuff like that. And it wasn't cool to be a geek. And now fast forward, you know, within like the last like 10 years and, you know, you go to Comic-Con and it's surrounded by A-listers. It's like yeah. the thing to be like you're an asshole if you're not into geeky shit. <laughs> and I don't know when that switch happened, but it wasn't like that when I was a kid. You were just kind of an asshole if you played Dungeons and Dragons and you were, you know, a geek or whatever and like, "Oh man, look at that guy. He's gay. He's got he's got He-Man toys, you know. Look at all them buff <laughs> figures he's playing with, rubbing their chests and stuff. He's got sexy He-Man toys." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh so, I mean, there was a little bit of that. Um but I mean, I was kind of a cool kid, so I didn't really get picked on or anything in, in school. But I do know that I didn't let the whole world know that, you know, I I still had like Snake Mountain and Castle Grayskull in my closet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I had a uh, Nicole New kids Kidman. on the block poster. <laughs> yeah, I had like a Nicole Kidman poster on my wall and like a Daisy Fuentes calendar. So, I mean, Ooh. I like I was into girls, but um, she's fat. Yes. <laughs> Keep it on the low down. Down low, no doubt. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, there was that. I mean, I like Project Runway now. So, I mean, as an adult, uh, I would have liked Project Runway as a kid, too, if it was on. But mm -hmm. uh, I always loved fashion. Uh, the E! Network was like one of my favorite channels. I loved the red carpet stuff and seeing the outfits. And uh, when it came to the Academy Awards, I always liked tuning in early to see what Joan Rivers was going to be talking about and who she interviewed and what they were going to be wearing. Uh, I always found that stuff fascinating more so than the actual awards. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's stuff like that, but uh, that's pretty much it. So, I mean, the only thing I could, uh, to answer your question, I do think that there was a negative stigma on being a nerd or a geek uh, and liking geeky shit. Uh, whereas now uh, there has been a, a, some sort of metamorphosis that has taken place and now it's okay to play Dungeons and Dragons and to to love geeky things and collect toys even in your 40s. Thank you Stranger Things that really perpetuated Dungeons and Dragons quite a bit too so um yeah I agree so like I I love film obviously but I mean movies like Tu Wong Fu uh and then I mean even Sister Act to a certain extent and then some other films I really liked and I I mean they were gay friendly and I was, I didn't really think anything of it, but you know, I liked musicals too. I still love musicals. Um, I think they're awesome because I just love the pageantry and the, and the, um, coordination and everything that goes into it. I think it's really, really cool. Um, I also I'm trying to think of what else I had. Uh, so any dancing I think is really cool because when you can choreograph a really fun dance and, everybody's kind of in sync. It's, it, it's really a spectacle to see. And I think that goes into a lot of, you know, the, 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 what was the golden age of cinema when everyone was doing crazy stuff in like the fifties and you had these big dance numbers. I think that was so cool. Um, oh, excuse me. 
I had a fanny pack when I was a kid and I absolutely loved it. I still have a fanny pack now and I absolutely love it. It's funny because it it just comes full circle, you know, Um, in the late 90s, 2000s, if you're wearing a fanny pack, it's like, well, take that off. But now I'm like, yeah, I love my fanny pack. Um, Nowadays, I really enjoy like wine. I like wine a lot. Um, Nice clothes, good haircuts. I love wearing suits. But when I was growing up, if I would wear suits every day, people would probably call me metrosexual or they would question or, you know, if I really took care of myself, it's just it's it's ridiculous. It's the dumb shit that we see all the time, like how they were talking about him. They're like, of course, Mr. Becker or what's his name? Beckett Beckett would be Beckett would be gay. Like, look at how he dresses. He's like, what's wrong with how I dress? And I was like, he dresses nice. What's wrong with it? He's like Andy (laughs) Bernard. He's like all excited in the classroom. Oh, I love that whole part. He's like, Yentl's not even that good. He's like, say it again. (laughs) (laughs) It's just funny. I don't know. And I think obviously it's so awesome that this world has accepted these these things like the nerd culture and things that may have been considered quote unquote gay uh, back in the day and they've accepted them now as as the meta and that's that's really great it just sucks that it took so long for it to happen you know um because people should like whatever the fuck they want to like and that's the end of the story no one should be upset with them agreed but yeah howard johnson is right I, So comedies can sometimes be hard to derive uh, thoughtful meaning from, except in this film, I think the meaning is expressed in the post failed wedding scene with Bernice Brackett's uh, the mom and her friend. They're all sitting around the chairs. You know what scene I'm talking about? The friend at the wedding gives a speech about Howard coming out and spilling the beans. And she says Howard was just being honest, clearing the air before he made a real mess. What's wrong with that? What What are we all so afraid of? What do we think will happen if we all just spill the beans? And I think that is so poignant. Um, the women then proceed to divulge some deep hidden truths and secrets. Why is this an important thing to do in life? To just speak to your feelings? And when do you think it's appropriate? Oh, well, uh, I mean, you no one wants to live like a lie. It's hard to have like a, a secret, you know, and if you can have a support system and just talk it over, then you'll just feel better. I mean, it might affect uh, depending on what you know and, and the burdens that you carry, uh, I mean, your your purse of forgiveness is only so deep. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things where I, I think that you'll just sleep better. You'll feel better for mental health reasons. It's just good to talk to somebody about it. And if you can't talk to your friends or family about it, maybe you should talk to a professional about it. Um, yeah. It's just it's just good to have uh, clean air, as it were. And I think... Uh, it's almost always appropriate unless someone's trying to go to the bathroom and you don't want me knocking on the door and be like, Hey, can I tell you something? It's like, dude, just wait till I'm out. Give me a sec. Put super glue on the toilet. If you please. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like uh, honesty is the best policy and um, you shouldn't, you shouldn't wait. Well, it just feels good sometimes to get a secret off your chest, something that you've been holding in for a long time. It's, I don't know. It's this, this, weight has been lifted you know it's it feels awesome have you have you ever had that where you've spilled the beans or told somebody a secret or a truth that you've been holding on to and you just felt so i don't know elated yeah do you remember what it was uh yeah you don't have Uh, to say it if you don't uh, want to but i will (laughs) i can i can tell you mine 
Um, so when I was in high school, I was, and this is just a uh, example that I thought of today, but when I was in high school, we had a party at my house. It was senior year. It was a huge party. And I talked about this on an earlier podcast, but, uh, anyhow, there were a lot of people, um, the cops showed up. Luckily I wasn't there. It started out really great. And then of course, you know, it ended really poorly, but, my mom was gone in Vegas and it was just me and my sister and it was my time to be responsible. You know, I was the, the 18 year old senior um, in high school and I could, I could take care of the house. But when she got back, you know, we cleaned everything up. We fixed everything. Cause I think some, some shit broke. So we fixed it. And my mom was none the wiser until like a week later when my conscious got the better part of me. Cause she kind of knew something was off and I think she was waiting for me to be honest. So I told her about it and she did the whole, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. And I lost her respect and I was, or her trust. And I just was like heartbroken. I was so upset with myself, but it did feel a lot better because then my mom was a lot more direct and honest with me because she expected me to do the same thing. So I think that taught me a good amount. But I think that that was my spilling the beans of, I could have got away with it scot-free, but I was like, you know what? I, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell the truth. So it was, uh, it felt good to actually get it off my chest. Yeah. I mean, it usually does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, just to protect the innocent, I am not going to share my story. That is that uh, is okay. That is totally yeah. fine. Um, I've had, and I've had other in- incidents too, which I, I, I don't feel comfortable sharing on this podcast, but just in personal life where I made some mistakes and uh, I owned up to it and it felt really good to own up to it. I paid the consequence. Um, and that sucked, but then it was like, you know what? At the end of the day, who cares? I felt like I didn't have to live in the shadows anymore, like Gollum. But, right. Um, well, let's move on. So I, for one, really think the ending stuck its landing for me. The whole auditorium scene. I think it was great. In a grand show of support from the community that loves him, Howard is able to win the day and finally be accepted by everyone despite what he may have thought. It's beautiful, really. How did you feel about the ending? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked how his community stuck up for him. I liked how the students, uh, you know, were the first ones to do it. Um, you know, they they had uh, they had their doubts and they were concerns, but they remember they're kids, right? Yeah. And a lot of kids don't understand what is happening, and there's social pressures, and it's high school, and it's complicated. But you know, once once you're done with high school, this just Talk about weight being lifted off your shoulders. Everything just changes. And all you have to do is fucking survive. And so many kids don't realize that. it's Everything is so uh, permanent in their minds. And, and 100%, this is, the, this is it. This is the end of the world. If I don't go to this party, I'm going to be ruined forever. If, <laughs> if, uh, you know, if I don't keep my mouth shut, then you know, it's going to be a problem and blah, blah, blah. And, and he had to have that, um, what was his name? Mitch or something? I forget the kid's name. but Yeah, something like he, that he was, you know, kind of just dismissive. And then his friend was like, what are you nuts? He's the one that got you into college. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm an idiot. I forgot that. And he, it took him some courage to stand up in front of everybody and, and say that. And so I think that, uh, you know, it's a powerful thing when you love somebody and you care about them and their well being, And he saw that all this hard work that, that Mr. Brackett has done for his students and for the school, and it was just being tossed in the garbage like it meant nothing. Uh, that's when he was able to act on it. And and I think that it was a very powerful thing. Sort of in the same spirit of, uh, oh, it's a wonderful life. You know, oh, where, the, God, yeah. where the community just backs 
backs that uh, that local saint that they mm-hmm. have. And I, I think that there's some some interesting parallels there. You know, if you're a good person, you know, it'll it'll circle back around. It might take a while, but uh, it'll it'll come back eventually. Hell yeah. I 100 percent agree with that. And I loved the ending of this movie. I thought it was so heartwarming and it brought me to tears. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Um, so the how to be a man audio tape scene was one of the funniest parts in the movie. I think it might have been the funniest for me when the tape calls out all of Howard's actions. I just absolutely lose it only to have it cap off with him failing to hold back the urge to dance to I will survive. Um, are there any songs that tend to make you dance no matter what? Uh, yeah, probably, <laughs> uh, a lot of Depeche Mode, there I, you go. I rock out to Depeche Mode quite a bit, uh, and then there's another band called The Sounds, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but, uh, all their songs just fucking, just, all of a sudden my, my foot starts tapping, or my hips start shaking, and I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, the sounds, <laughs> they're amazing, um, so I would say, and then like pretty much any sort of, uh, you know, disco era music, uh, it's such a happy time. And uh, it just kind of just happens. Disco greasy, greasy disco ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's weird, but I would say mostly Depeche Mode. Yeah. Uh, Anything Depeche Mode that's not depressing. I cut myself kind of music. I will dance to it. (laughs) There you go. I know. I think, I think it's so great. Dancing is fun because it's free and it just makes you feel better and everyone can do it. I absolutely love it. For me, like songs like Shake It Off, Taylor Swift, Everybody by the Backstreet Boys, which I now remember I used to love boy bands when I was younger. And so that might be something that would be considered gay, but I fucking love BSB, man. They were great in NSYNC. Uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Easy Lover, Phil Collins, and what's the other guy that sings that? Philip Bailey. There you go, yeah. He was an Earth, Wind, and Fire. He was either Earth, Wind, or Fire. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you're telling me. Uh, I love that song, though. Phil Collins is just great in general. Uh, One More Time by Daft Punk. That one's excellent. A lot of Daft Punk songs make me dance. And then Footloose by Kenny Loggins. I think Uh, whenever that song comes on, it is so hard for me not to tap my feet and not to dance. It's just like Cafe Disco up in here. So... I love it. And I am not one to be shied away from dancing. I will dance on the street. I will dance in a car. I will dance near. I will dance far. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Good for you, man. I think, um, yeah, those are also good. I think pretty much anything by Michael Jackson. I'll dance to. Yeah. You know, I think Michael Jackson's got some Prince. Holy shit. Yeah. Prince is a fucking rock star, man. I just yeah. love everything that that guy does. I would lick his guitar after he used it. I love that man so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. He uh, he was quite quite the entertainer. Yes, so that's 100%. Absolutely. But yeah. yeah, man. I think that is it for me. Do you have any final thoughts? And what is your letter grade? Oh, man. I'm still trying to think of songs. Because I gave you artists. I'm <laughs> we, more of like yeah. a... It'll it'll come to us and and like over the week I I'll think of more and I'll probably have to talk about it on the next podcast because I'm like oh shit I forgot about that one too I just there are so many ones that come on and I'm like oh shit I have to dance to this you know and like your wedding's coming up and I know it said on there like write a song you want them to play I'm like fuck I don't know I think yeah. I wrote Footloose by Kenny Lyons <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, uh Casey and the Sunshine Band like uh, give it up yeah uh, me and Felix yeah, and Brett know the dance that they do. In- <laughs> And that's so like on our game nights. <laughs> Holy shit, we danced to that. And then uh, there's this other one for like uh, one night in Bangkok. There's mm-hmm. this version that has 
these like four Asian women on a rooftop dancing. And we know that dance too. And I'm pretty sure one of them is a guy, but uh, it's remarkable and we love it. And that's how we kicked off game night. Every Friday was to one night in Bangkok. And then uh, Casey and the sunshine band with give it up. That is so cool. Yeah. That's a catchy song. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, so that will that will totally make me dance. Spice Girls, holy shit. Any like dance song by by Spice Girls? Um, yeah. I'll totally do. Me I'll too. even do kicks. Like Sporty Spice. Oh, yeah, there you go. I'm giving yeah. you everything. All the joy can bring. This <laughs> yeah, I swear. That's a good one. <laughs> and I like how Posh Spice is always pointing at people. <laughs> that's all she does. I like to point. <laughs> oh, man. You know, my sister doesn't like people pointing at her. No, really? You're not allowed to point at my sister. Yeah. Oh, I'll just nod. So, like, I'll nod at her. <laughs> don't be getting one of them foam fingers and pointing at her. She will not approve. <laughs> Get out of uh, here, foam finger. And Usher, anything but Usher. Ooh. I'll totally fucking dance to. Yeah. She likes it my way. <laughs> she likes it my way. <laughs> you remind me of a girl that I once knew. <laughs> See your face whenever I look at you. <laughs> oh, love yeah. the usher. Me Ooh. too. This is a hot tamale. <laughs> uh, letter grade. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I give this movie an A. I really enjoy it. I think it's fun. I think it's uh, always topical. And I think it's helpful and therapeutic for people. Um, you know, I, I want you to be who you are. You should never hide from who you are. And if people that you surround yourself won't accept you for who you are, then uh, it's time to get new friends. Yeah, I agree. So I'm sorry, what was the letter grade? I give it an A. An A? I like it. Yeah. I dig it. And I, I also give it an A. Um, I was not expecting it to be this funny. It had been such a long time since I had seen it. And I agree with everything you said. Um, Real quick, what was the thing that you and David always say from this movie? Yeah, so you didn't guess, huh? I, um, Hold on, I'm trying to think. Um... We have not said it yet. So we've Shit. quoted this movie a lot from yeah. from the beginning of this podcast. But uh, the line has not been spoken yet. Then I'm stumped. Is Wait, is it something that the brother says? No. Okay. It's not. Then I'm stumped. You tell me. It is when Joan Cusack goes, I was fat. <laughs> <laughs> she we is so, so good. I know exactly what you're talking about when she's in we the wedding dress. S- yep. We say it all the time. When, when yeah, Matt Dillon's like, what happened to you? I was fat. Because <laughs> right before that, she's in the bar and she goes, I'm some peanuts. <laughs> she says yeah. it all funny. I fucking <laughs> lost it when she said it. She is so funny. She I was a delight. fat. Yeah. Oh, my God. No matter like we, we say it even when it doesn't apply. It's great. Oh, that's awesome. Joan Cusack. Love her to death. Loved her in School of Rock, too. She was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Movie. She's a Stevie Nicks fan. Yeah. Edge of Seventeen, so cool. Yeah, that song. Cool. She's. Uh, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I do have her albums though. I know one of those. If you can't beat them, join them. Type of deals. Look at everywhere I go. Stevie Nicks driving nuts. That's. Oh my god. Have I told you the story of of when I was in therapy in Stevie Nicks? Um, I don't think so. Okay, so this won't take long. But uh, I mentioned earlier in this podcast that I had anger issues, and I sought out professional help to uh, help me with it. And uh, my therapist's name was incredible. Or my therapist was incredible. Her name was Gretchen. And uh, she gave me all kinds of homework to do. And I always did it. And she always loved that I did my homework. I think I was the only one of her patients that ever did. And 
uh, I came in and I was just so flustered. She's like, what's, what's got you so worked up? And I'm like, fucking Stevie Nicks. <laughs> She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, fucking every time I get in the car, it's this Fleetwood Mac or Stevie Nicks or some bullshit. And I got to hear this Billy Goat just sing. And I, and I can't stand it. And it's always at the time of day where every fucking radio station just has commercials going on except for this one. And wouldn't you know it, Stevie fucking Nicks is singing. And I, she's, she makes words longer than they need to be. And I can't stand it. Can't stand her. Can't stand her music. And I just, I'm, I'm over it. And she's just cracking up as I'm like venting about this. And I'm like, are you okay? Do you need a minute? <laughs> like, like, is this normal? Am I, am I, am what I'm saying is funny. Is, is this, is this okay? And she's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm like, no, I get it. It's ridiculous. Like I shouldn't be this upset about her. She's just always on my fucking radio. And, I, and this is before like, you know, where you, this wasn't a time where you could just hook up your fucking iPod to your, your stereo. You know, you were kind of forced to listen to the music that was given to you. Right. Uh, you know, you could pump in like CDs and stuff like that, but sometimes you just want to listen to the fucking radio and hear something different. Right. And, uh, fucking Stevie Nicks was just always on my radio and it drove me insane. And it was in that moment that I had my, my epiphany, my, my aha moment where it was, it wasn't a big deal. She's having a good time listening to me vent about this. Why am I so upset? She's laughing. I'm upset. I'm the one with the problem. And and it was <laughs> it was sort of just this weird cathartic experience where I was just like, holy shit. Maybe I am crazy. This shouldn't bother me. Yeah. And I have Stevie Nicks to thank for that. And Gretchen, for that matter. Well, I already sent your birthday presents, but damn it, I should get you for Christmas I this would big Stevie Nicks cutout. Not to get Stevie <laughs> Nicks presents. <laughs> sorry, it has been written, so I'm sorry. I, I already it ordered known. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> really cool i love it thank you for sharing you're welcome you can owe okay cool (laughs) well let me uh let me take this home if you don't mind so um before we go if you or anyone you know is struggling with their sexuality and needs help you are not alone i assure you you're definitely not alone you're loved and you matter for more information and some great resources for coming out please visit the human rights campaign at www.hrc.org and The Trevor Project at www.thetrevorproject.org. Really great resources. We love you. Talk to people. Hell yeah, baby. Um, So anyways, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, at zachdale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. I think we have the next three lined up. I think we might do, I don't know, a little Copland, a little Psycho, a little Gross Point Blank. Who knows, right? Um, please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. And they are back in action, and it is glorious. Lots of fun stuff to talk about. Except I don't know any of the Nintendo games, because I don't have one. So, but really, inter- uh, really entertaining. I'll just say that. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening and happy pride. Thank you so much. <laughs>